They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Tonight! I just want to take you higher. Throw your hands up in the sky. Let's set this party off. Right? Plus, put your pinky rings up to the moon. Girls, what y'all trying to do? What? Uh, 24 karat magic in the air. I guess we should probably listen to the song first before we, we record. Make sure we know the songs before we just pick them on the surface. It was perfect, was it? We ended up sounding like uh, early '90s rap versions of anything. I think Bruno Mars would have been incredibly embarrassed. Welcome, everybody. I'm already embarrassed. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Thoughts That Rock, your favorite podcast, where mm-hmm. we exchange a couple pieces of life-changing advice. You take it, you thank us, and your life changes. Yeah, it does. Mine's already changed. This yeah. episode is sponsored by Certified Rockstar, which is mm-hmm. our customized leadership training program. Yep. Listen, it depends on what you want. We got a half day. We half got day. a full day. We got full a virtual, virtual version. And without us spending a lot of time on it, just go take a look at the website. We spent like two, three hours on it. Huge. CertifiedRockstar.com. <laughs> Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. Please go see how you can get engaged with them. It's CannonballKidsCancer.org. Yes. And if you like the show. I do. Please take a moment. I have. To just say thanks. I have many times (laughs) with as many email (laughs) URLs that I have. And after you say thanks, (laughs) go on and give us a five-star rating and a written review or... Whatever star you deem us worthy of, which is five. Five is really the only one we <laughs> want. Look, if you're not going to give us five, don't do it. Yeah. Just because ignore everything that brings The algorithm uh, gremlins will get us if you do anything other than that. So we're not going to beg you. Mm-mm. We're just going to tell you to do it. Please. Just do it. I'll beg. Like Nike. I'm not too proud. Just do it. That's right. Listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing just a moment to step mm-hmm. away and think strategically mm. about your life, we totally get it. Yeah. It's hard to come by, which is why yep. it doesn't even matter what you're doing right now. Nope. I'm sure you're listening to the show, but yep. you could also be, I don't know, teeing off some balls at Topgolf. Four! Maybe you're quietly playing with your pet rock. Oh, or maybe you're grilling hot dogs on an all-new episode of Fansville. You want a foot long? Does it really matter to us? We just be the... <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Our guest today is Gretchen Bauer, who is the founder and CEO of Be Swanky, which is an American luxury handbag company, which gives previously undervalued women the opportunity to create iconic products through ethical practices. And we're going to probably talk about some of that. Love it. First off, Gretchen, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Us too. And and Brant, I don't know if I had shared this with you, but I met um, Gretchen through a CEO council that mm-hmm. I was speaking at over in Sarasota about a year ago. And 
we just connected around her company culture. She was in the process of uh, really amping that thing up and had already put some really cool things in place. And, and of course, we'll have uh, Gretchen's full bio posted in the show notes. But I did want to just point out a couple things. You know, she was an interior designer for 26 years. Mm. And that's where she discovered really the disturbing reality behind the garment industry, specifically in the U.S. and the conditions that people worked and, and the way those workers were treated. And I know she just wanted to make a difference by improving the lives of the women employees and change the way that goods are manufactured here in the U.S. and really just by creating an unparalleled work culture. And again, I'm going to let her share some of that stuff. But she uh, created and launched Be Swanky. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that really has a mission to be the difference. All of the handbags are designed and handcrafted really just by an unbelievable team of women who are part of the entire production process and have created this uh, rock star culture that we talked about. And uh, one of the things I hope that comes out of the conversation, Gretchen, you know, hopefully you can share some of those cool things about your unique collection designs. I'll just leave it with that and also the sourcing because I think you're doing some things different than a lot of other people, but you said you've listened to some of the episodes before, you know, our style, we're going to do a little bit different than what you hear on most podcasts. We're going to get right to the heart of the matter. And uh, we'd love for you to share your great piece of advice. So the floor is open to you, Gretchen. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock. Number one. Um, it's interesting. The first thing is listen to your advisors. That's just a little side thing. And one of my advisors helped me find out, something that I was lacking. I was making decisions far too quickly, major decisions. And my assessments and his advice led to me realizing I need to pull back on the bow. Pull back on the bow. Hmm. mm -hmm. What's that mean? And You know, if you picture everyone's seen Braveheart and when he's going, (laughs) hold, hold, that's what I kind of visualize in my mind because I would make a decision and be reactionary. And instead of, processing it thinking of you know first and foremost the culture and the people because people matter at be swanky and then process it and then make an informed decision based on all the information i have mm-hmm. it, yeah it's uh, interesting i'm glad you clarified <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm literally thinking like like a bow no oh, no not that not like bow and arrow <laughs> uh, no i'm thinking like bow like put a a bow on it yeah yes (laughs) i'm like pull back on the bow hmm no that actually makes more sense that it's a bow and arrow yes (laughs) i love it uh you can tell we are approaching gift wrapping season gotcha so you know where my brain has been I, i i love this so so how have you been able to use this advice to sort of further the the mission of be swanky interesting because we deal with a lot of different languages and cultures in the building and that's something i need to be aware of and you know in in the united states we're pretty matter of fact blunt business-like and and um i don't know how to describe it but just moving very quickly and so i have to take into account that they can't understand me clearly i don't speak russian or spanish so those are the two other languages in our building. Mm. And so I need to be aware of my body language and my tone because I think they've they've uh, measured that it's only about 10% of what you're saying is what matters, mm-hmm. the actual that it's the tone and the body language. So I stop immediately. I pause, I hold, I pull back on the bow 
And then I, I gather all that. And the first thing I do is make sure they know everything's okay. And my body language shows that open arms, tone, smile. Smiling's very important, even though inside you're like, oh my gosh, this is all going wrong. <laughs> I, I think when you're, you've probably talked about this before too. I think the three of us uh, on the call are probably, we, we like to use what our friend Kat Cole says, the hustle muscle. Like mm -hmm. we're constantly busy. We're very reactionary in a lot of ways. Um, and and I, I love living my life like that, but I, it reminds me at least in the restaurant industry, you know, being a training and development guy, I had almost always reported up through human resources, but there was a time where, I reported up through operations. And the reason I bring this up, this is a big debate in the training and development world. You go, which of these do you want to report up to? If you report up through operations, one, you're going to get a little bit more money. You're probably going to have a little bit of a louder voice. But unfortunately, you're going to be very reactionary. You're at the mercy of when something's broken, send in the training and development team. They just want to fix, fix, go, go, go. It's literally working in in the the you know the leaves of the problem tree if you will you can never soften enough branches where it's sort of to your analogy when you're saying pull back from the bow this is how i equate it when i would report up through human resources that maybe we didn't have enough money in our budget maybe it took a little bit longer for an initiative to be launched but it gave us an opportunity to step back and think strategically so that we could get the right thing put out into the field if training was even needed like maybe it wasn't even needed in the first place so I, I don't know if that equates in your world but it sounds like versus you running around and making these super quick decisions and not maybe thinking them through just by taking a moment to hold hold like you were saying in Braveheart you, you can think a little bit more holistically about the business is that is that a fair statement it is. And it's also that I'm including their opinion and what they know, because that's so important. So we're manufacturing. We have a whole manufacturing facility, all the big leather cutting machinery, all of the painting machines, everything here, industrial sewing machines lined up. And so it's a beautiful culture. But when when things when they make mistakes or I, I won't even use the word mistakes when things happen, because it, it comes from the top, I obviously didn't clearly delegate something mm -hmm. or communicate properly when things happen and they're not right and products are coming out wrong instead of just reacting and saying oh my gosh we have to fix this right now realizing that approaching it with getting all of their input and it's kind of like my mind is going when i'm sitting there at a production meeting oh my gosh all these people are sitting <laughs> here i'm paying them all to sit here they should be making things i've shifted my mindset them sitting here we come up with the best ideas yeah we long-term plans we have solutions and you said strategizing that's i don't know how to make these bags they do so that's where my mindset went from kind of like gotta make the donuts hurry 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 to stop spend the time with them be mindful of them respect their input mm -hmm. and in the end that extra time and effort and pulling back on the bow and waiting leads to better production, yeah. um, better quality, them feeling involved. And that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. This next week, Brant and I are, are actually doing that. I mean, we have a program called Certified Rockstar. It's been in place for a couple of years, but we know that we can always make it better. And we're not waiting for things to, to go sideways. We are spending an entire day yep. this Monday yep. on just going, 
what can we do to, to sort of polish it off and make it a little bit better? So I think if people don't do that, you get caught in the thick of thin things, if you will. Well, I think so, too, that the, the idea of pulling back the bow is the time and effort that you are using to pull it back. The, the, the hope is that it's going to come out faster and go farther, right? I mean, the, if you, if oh, you exactly. that's yeah. the point, right? So the idea here is let's take some time to think through it so that when we do release it, it's, it's going to, you know, have the trajectory that we want and, and has uh, more distance behind it as opposed to just quickly putting it out and, and quickly getting it away from us might not actually have the impact that we, that we desire. Is that, is that what you've seen in, in sort of taking the time to, to ask the tough questions and pull back that bow before you launch a product? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, one of my team members the other day sat with me and she said, I am, she even used the word proud. She said, I'm really proud of you because hmm. never seen anyone who has the ability to look in the mirror like you do and realize that what they're doing isn't right and then change it. And that's something that I love. I, I growing, learning, changing, and then realizing, you know, I think Jim, you had written me something about mistakes I've made in the past. They weren't really mistakes. I used the information I had at that time to make the best decision. Yeah. But looking back, would I do things the same way? Absolutely not. And that means I'm growing and learning. And isn't that awesome? Because if not, it's just insanity, right? Yeah. Doing the same over and over again, expecting different results. And the results we're getting are our product has been elevated to the point where a woman came to me yesterday and I interviewed her from Prada and Gucci. She was the head of advertising internationally. She wants to work with us because of our culture and the fact that we're growing and we're open and <laughs> it blew me away. Yeah. But that, that's part of it. And would I learn from her? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you've even said in your processes, um, and maybe you could share real quick what, what type of luxury bags, like how is the process of be swanky? And I, I really asked that not just because of the, the way that we set up the intro, but your team is highly involved in the production process. And I think that helps you with your, the thought on pulling back on the bow. You're actually including them as well as part of that going faster and farther. But, but tell everybody what Bee Swanky is specifically on that, that sourcing and being very ethical and your unique product. I think people would love to hear that. Okay. We create... Uh, very iconic shaped handbags. In fact, they're they're in two museums right now in Coral Gables and uh, the historic Bethlehem Museum, part of the most valuable handbag collection in the world. We're just honored to be part of that. So our bags are iconic and different. And the way we created them is we designed for the women that they're intended for, the, the trailblazer, the person that travels, the woman that needs them to function differently. So our iconic Sophie handbag, it's named for a young lady that was one of my interns and is part owner of the company now. It goes from handbag to backpack, but it's got a trapezoidal shape. And the number one piece of feedback we get on this handbag is people get more compliments on it than any other accessory they've ever owned. And that blows. We've never had anyone buy a bag, use it, return it. Never. Yeah, yeah that's never. amazing. They buy multiple. So it's, but we've taken it from it being almost like a, uh, a an arts and crafts type bag at the beginning where it wasn't as polished and refined and elevated it to the luxury brands, Gucci, 
Hermes, people liken us to them and they say they can't even go back to those bags because we keep elevating the linings, the zippers, the trims. We keep buying machinery to make it better and better. And the women in the factory, I should say atelier, uh, they ask for those machines. They beg for them. Can we get this? Can we get this? And I say, you're giving yourself more work. And, and they say, we know, but we want, we want to be the best. So our handbags, we have two different sizes of that iconic bag. And they just designed a new laptop bag that is coming out today that wow. is um, for both men and women. I know that men need better bags. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, and you had asked about sourcing things. We are using the, the most exciting thing we're using is python from the Everglades. And it's an invasive species. And we are sourcing that directly. I work with a uh, decorated python hunter, Amy Seawee, who just caught the second largest python in Florida. And we directly work with her and we're coming out with a cobalt blue uh, Everglades python bag in two weeks that'll be unbelievable. But it's, it's we're helping the environment. We give back to South Florida National Parks Trust with every python purchase. So, th so this is what I love. My, uh, you know, you know, my girlfriend, Melissa has one of those bags. And I think, you know, when you first hear that you've got a handbag, luxury handbag, I mean, it's beautiful and it's made from Python. You think, you know, there's probably some blowback. I'm sure there's some people that would get frustrated with it, but you made the case, you know, exactly the right way. For us in Florida, it's an evasive species. It's in the Everglades, and it's now killed 90% of all of the, the animals down there. Pretty much the only thing left are alligators, which they're now starting to eat the alligators. So you, you I know, have not only it's a women-owned business, but all of the people that are working in your production house, you've got all these women who wouldn't have the same culture, the same environment that they would have somewhere else. You've provided that, but now as part of your ethical sourcing, you've hired or work with a female Python hunter who's going out there and doing the right things. And there's a portion of those proceeds that are going back and supporting, um, you know, that, that same, that same industry. I just think it's, it's amazing. And it is the, the bag is fantastic. Like, you know, when she wears it out, she does get compliments every single time. It's, it's great. Oh, I love hearing that. And you would not believe because she got her bag a while back on how many improvements we have made where, you know, it's it blows people away. And that's why people end up buying multiple. And, and that's our goal is to just keep getting better and better and better. Yeah. Well, it looks like it. I mean, every time I go online, you've got another piece of product coming out. It's great. You know, and you had mentioned something earlier, which probably leads perfectly to our thought as well. You were talking about, you know, not necessarily making mistakes. I think by you having different people that you can bounce ideas off of, you're including the team as part of the, you know, the decisions to make things better. And I was just sharing with you that Brant and I are going to be working on this training program to always continue to amp it up. But I thought this, uh, this thought brand that you found was perfect and hopefully it aligns really well with Gretchen's. What is, what is our thought that rocks this week? Yeah. So our thought this week comes from Rita Mae Brown and I just loved it. And it's this. Thoughts that rock number two. Good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. <laughs> and I think that, even Gretchen, with you just said of uh, the number of improvements um, that have been made since uh, since Jim uh, was able to grab one of the bags is is 
you know, you, you can only, as you said earlier, you can only function off the information that you had at the time that you made that decision. But as things move forward, I think it's so important for us to have that continuous improvement sort of mindset where we can take maybe some of the things that we look back on and go, gosh, maybe it was bad judgment. Maybe it wasn't bad judgment, but it was what we had available to us at that time. But this idea now moving forward, using that information, using that experience to to improve both, not just product, but even company culture. How has that worked for you? Have you Can you look back now, um, years later and say, even though you started with all the right ideas as far as difference in manufacturing and ethical sourcing and all that sort of stuff. Can you look back and go, man, we've learned so much from even the the good heart that we had back then that has improved both culture and process for the organization now? Yes. You know, it's interesting. I think what you have to keep doing is keep raising the bar. Uh, It's interesting because not just on production, but culture, both of those things are an ongoing process. It's like a, a growing living organism where if you just sit back and say that's good enough, um, you'll never get better. You'll never be able to compete with the big giants out there. And so I think there are two separate items, both the culture and the production, where we keep improving and looking at those mistakes and problems we had. And we, we laugh. We laugh a lot in the building because mm-hmm. we have or else I'd cry if I saw the things that, that we, we did wrong. But what we constantly do is fine is a four letter word to me. I've been coined as saying that I'm going for exceptional and great all the time, but to be open-minded to pivot and also to be able to take really tough feedback mm-hmm. I've met and surround yourself with advisors that are not yes people. I don't want anyone that just yeses me. Yeah. I want them to say you, I, I have a German advisor and I, I hate to, to generalize this man's tough. He came from German military and ran companies all over the world. And he just happens to be someone who helps me here in Sarasota now. And I was afraid of him at the beginning. I truly was afraid of this man. I mean, he, in fact, everyone in the building was, he raised the bar. He said, clean this place up. If you're going to call yourself, you know, an atelier and this, you've got to make it better, improve this, come out with better products. And during COVID where it, it could have been um, a time to say, we're down to the count. This isn't going to work. Poor me. He said, take this time to get ahead. Mm-hmm. I came into this building every single day when we were shut down. And our women were making masks for nonprofits out there. I love that. They volunteered. And we kept going. I was distributing masks throughout Florida. And it was really exciting. But during that time... We came out with a new product. We improved. I bought machinery that was, they were discounting because they couldn't sell it. But this man, he scared me at the beginning. And now (laughs) I consider him like, he's one of my dearest friends and I embrace everything he says. And I know he's going to be real and tough on me. And I'm open to learning. Sometimes I, I, I have to tell him kind of it's enough after an hour because my mind's about to explode. But you need to surround yourself with those people that will give you criticism that will make you better. And instead of, of distancing yourself, bring more people like that in that you trust because it'll make you better. And the whole team, they can't wait to see him. He's coming by tomorrow and we cannot wait because he's going to give us some criticism, but he's going to make us better. 
I love that. I love that. And, you know, by the way, the, a little side note, I remember you getting a lot of great press whenever you guys started making those masks uh, because that was before everybody was doing that. I want to say it was back in February, March, before the real lockdown was happening. You guys were already on that. And, uh, you know, again, it's nice that it, you, you can now find a mask anywhere. You got any retail store, everybody's doing it. But not only were you doing it and, and being ahead of everybody, but you were doing it for free. You were donating it. And I just, I, I think that was that was awesome. Well, thank you. I turned to the women. They met me here and I said, let me pay you. And they said, Gretchen, we know you're giving them away. We want this place to be up and running soon. And we know it's going to help. So they refused to take money for yeah. the mask. Yeah. So, Brant, I know you make um, bad judgments all the time. When, when, uh, if you're it's looking, one of my, it's one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, when you're thinking of this thought, um, like again, I applaud you because I, I think that you take risk all the time. You're willing to stick your neck out, try something out, and then, you know, 30 days later, you're like, well, that didn't work, which we've talked about in previous episodes, and you go. Let, let me figure out a different way. But ultimately, you're trying to get to the good judgment. Like yeah. you, you almost feel like I, I hate using that term, but it is the fail forward, fail fast, fail miserably. And you're yeah. like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do it because I know it's gonna be better on the other side. I mean, yeah. where, where can you maybe add in your own sort of spin on this to say, you know, this is how you live your life because it is, I think, right? Well, I, I mean, I, th I think that, you know if you don't learn from it, this is the key factor. It's fine to be risky. It's fine to do all those things as long as you are willing to learn from, from the bad judgment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I should say, I don't go into things looking to have bad judgment. Don't you though? A little. <laughs> um, but most of the time, uh, you know, I am a high risk, high reward guy. That's just mm -hmm. how I function. I, you know, I want to go big, and, and I want to succeed big or I want to have such a blowout massive failure <laughs> that it creates a fantastic story that I can yes, use on stage on. <laughs> because that's how I make my living. Yeah. So either way, it's a win for me. It's either, it either ends up as fodder for, for somebody to learn from a horrendous bad judgment decision that I've made, or it works out great. And I can tell people how, you know, the risk paid off. Yeah. But the idea being, um, if I only, if I only uh, uh, was able to succeed in the 2% of the things that actually work out and I never learned from the bad judgment, well, then then that's where we get ourselves into some trouble. Yeah. But I, I feel like we're risk averse. Many of us are. Yeah. Well, by many of us, I mean you. Yeah. Um, but for <laughs> for the most part, you know, the idea for me is if you go into it knowing that no matter what happens, you're going to, you're going to come out with a win. Mm -hmm. It might not be the win in the, which, in which the way you wanted it to be, but it will still be a win. If you can f go into it with that mindset, um, you're going to find yourself not just with significantly more success, I believe, but also, um, with a mindset that, that allows you to, to move forward in a way that's exciting and makes me want to get up every day and, and do it again, as opposed to, you know, worried about what's going to happen or not happen. You know, I go back to, to Kinsuni and this, the, the ancient art of, of pottery, mm -hmm. uh, of fixing pottery. Right. And, and so I love that story. Most of us in that, 
uh, mindset. Gretchen, there's, I don't know if you're familiar with Kintsune, but Kintsune is an ancient Japanese philosophy and a, and a method of repairing broken pottery. And the, the story of Kintsune is there was an ancient Japanese shogun who sent out his favorite tea bowl that had been broken to be repaired. And uh, it came back with all these ugly metal staples in it. And, and they just tried to take the brokenness and just put it right back together as it was. And he hated it. He didn't, he's like, this has got to be, this is my favorite bowl. It can't look this ugly. And so he sent it out to some local artisans and he, he tasked them to try to repair it again. And what they ended up doing was rather than try to put it back together and, and make it look like it had never been broken, uh, they went out and found the most valuable resource they had at that time, which was gold. They melted the gold down and they used the gold to repair the broken pottery. And in doing so, they did two things. Number one, um, they honored the history of the bowl, right? So they, they, they were able to capture the fact that this bowl has lived a life. And number two, it was actually worth more than before it was broken because now it's lined with gold. And this idea of Kintsune is, is it actually translates to golden repair. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that gold is meant to be illuminated and showcased that history. And what hit me when I read all this, and, and it's sort of in this same mindset of bad judgment, is that we spend so much of our time trying not to be broken. So much trying not to be broken. And what I have had to learn is that that is an absolute waste of time and energy mm -hmm. because when you have to come to the realization that you're already broken. And when you realize that you're already broken, then you can focus on what's holding the brokenness together. And that is how we move forward with deliberate intention. That is how we really learn from the bad judgment because we're able to focus on what's holding the brokenness together rather than this risk averse, afraid of being broken in the first place. And that to me is, would be my two cents on, on the success of my bad judgment. <laughs> well, and I think it's exactly how, I mean, if you think about it, it it's perfect uh, for an analogy for what Gretchen's doing with Be Swanky, because, mm -hmm. you know, from what I know about you, Gretchen, and I look at what you've done in your team, you think positively, you go into it with, I just want to make this world better. And in fact, that's how you started the company. I want to make it better for women who are undervalued or in crappy environments somewhere else. You've created this great culture. Are there going to be some mistakes? Probably. Is there some you know, mistakes that they might make. I mean, there's probably things that are going on every once while in the company, but I would assume, you know, the goal is, and they're a part of the, the process, let's just make this the best luxury handbag company there is, not just in Sarasota or maybe even in the U.S., but in the world. Like you said, you're getting compared to, to Gucci. That's, that's fantastic. But I would assume you sort of have the same mindset, right? I do. And there are a couple things that Brant said that were interesting and kind of hit home. Which ones? <laughs> I'm writing notes. I, I'm trying to figure out. Gretchen, this is what I have to deal you know, every day. In spite of, of, of wanting he's, to be here he still loves me. in tinfoil studios, I come for the abuse and, and uh, you know, it's just part of the deal. We joke. Yes, well, I'm sure. Yes, repeat what Brant please, said. Please save this segment, please, Gretchen, with some brilliance. Thank you. There, there are two things when you say like perfectly imperfect and our bags truly are handcrafted. So we're using, you know, Python. And so each item, when you look at it, they're all different mm -hmm. because they're piecing them together and assembling them. I think we found out there were 72 components and that's not including thread and paint 
in one of our handbags. That's a lot of pieces. That's yeah. a lot of parts. Yeah. And, um, and we, we did a contest to find out. And there was a prize. We, we used Jim's culture that rocks here. And, um, and so we found, you know, when you look at our bags, there are no two bags that are exactly the same because we aren't focused on quota, production, production. Yes, at the end of the day, we need to have a certain number of bags come out. But it's more important that they are absolutely beautiful. And you know, leather comes different colors every time. And, and something interesting with the python is our python from the Everglades. They're all different colors and um, patterns because several different species were introduced. So mm-hmm. other fashion brands use farm raised python in Indonesia. So they're controlling the color and and consistency and patterns. So when ours come in, to your point about imperfect you know, sometimes it, we have to change out the, the different leathers or I let them make a decision. And one time I left and production was going on and Kathy, who's really the heart of the building back there, she she's the one who just designed the new laptop bag and and a new cuff, a, a cuff we just came out with and named after her. But she she put two things together that weren't supposed to be put together. <laughs> so I came in and this is before I was really pulling back on the bow as much as I do now, cause I've learned and I, my face showed it all kind of, what did you do? <laughs> and I looked at it and I realized it was better looking than what I had put together. Hmm. And that's something to be humble enough and able to say, I don't have to design everything. I don't have to pick everything. My gift is knowing what looks really good. I have the ability to do that. That's one thing I'm an expert at. And so in the end, we decided to move forward with that bag. It became one of our best sellers. We called it That's the mistake so cool. bag in the building. And we, we sold out. And we make, we make everything limited edition. So if you're buying one of our bags, it's not going to be around a long time. Because not only does that help it retain its value, but we get tired of looking at the same thing yeah. all day. So it makes it more appealing for them and when they get the new hides or the new leathers they squeal it's excitement like oh my gosh look what came but that's the whole thing those are two things where the imperfect really is perfect for us that's awesome fantastic where can uh people see these bags i mean i know i'm I'm using the company name b swanky that's in in my mind it's all capital letters right it's b s w a n k y is it b swanky.com it is Great. Where 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 can we send you know people to maybe get more information about you in addition to the bags? They can find us on bswanky.com. We have a, an entire e-commerce website set up, and we also have several re- retailers throughout the country. Primarily in Florida, we sell at Harley Davidson. Mm-hmm. Uh, several dealers with them. We're we're trying to get on the east coast of Harley Davidson. Mm-hmm. We're sold at Porsche in Sarasota. We're also sold at. Uh, Believe it or not, this little jewelry store sells more of our handbags than anyone, Shepherd's Jewelry. And I can't believe it. It's it's amazing. They sell bags every single week, um, and it's amazing. And, again, our customers tend to buy more than one. Yeah, <laughs> in the that's <street>. great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we love what you're doing, particularly, again, like I said, in, in regards to just creating a fantastic culture. So much, I don't even know if I mentioned it to you, Brant, but I'm putting Gretchen and B. Swanky in my next book, which Woo-hoo! will be – around leadership because there are some things that obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about here but that you're putting into place to just create something amazing and uh you know that that's right up our alley and we couldn't be happier for you so 
you know, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. And uh, we're going to keep an eye on your journey and, and just keep celebrating you and your team. Well, thank you. And I want to thank you, Jim, because when I did see you speak, I, I think I wrote down every single thing you said. And I have those notes and I shared them with so many people um, that are implementing things in their own companies. And it totally was like a paradigm shift for me because I thought what I was doing was good enough. And it wasn't. And I took that and ran with it. And that very week after hearing you, we changed our team team breakfast we had monthly. And I, I went out to the dollar store and I bought crowns and all kinds of no. uh, items for everyone to wear. And it just elevated it. I think I spent $20. And since then, it's now a team lunch once a week. And, and I can't thank you enough for helping me see how very important it is because they are the heart of this business. And they will do they believe they care and what they give me in their efforts because of the culture we've created is something I can't even measure. Well, I, I thank you for that. I, you know, one, I'm humbled, but this is the whole reason why we do what we do. I mean, just impact and influence and, and here you are running with it. And it just, it makes me super happy and brand very depressed. So uh, Gretchen, <laughs> you know, there's two of us uh, on hosting this that's fine yes i've yet to be able to speak for be swanky even though it is far more on brand with me than it would be with mr covid Knight. lockdown you'll get there eventually <laughs> don't worry it's not a problem seriously you're the best thank you gretchen so much and uh we look forward to seeing you soon thanks thank gretchen you so much. thank you jim thank you brant you've you got it rock on hey rock stars thanks so much for tuning in if you like what you've heard please subscribe so you ever miss an episode yeah and if you're interested in having brant or me or both of us speak at your event whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com until next time rock, rock on, on.